So let's do coveting. This is the final of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and, of course, in Deuteronomy 5. Do not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This word covet. Uh, Now, as we've gone through this series, I have noticed, and you may have noticed this with me, that many of the word choices in the Ten Commandments, the actual words themselves, are abnormal word choices. We looked at that with uh, murder was a classic example of this. It was a rare word for murder. Uh, 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 Somebody was, I was talking to somebody this morning about the previous commandment, which is false witnessing, right? Not do not lie, but a more specific idea of bearing false witness. This is another rare word. It's an interesting word. To covet, to lust, to desire, to delight in. Uh, This is from Mounts' Dictionary, for those who are curious. What is coveted? Treasure, wealth, to be pleasing, to be desirable, to delight. And this is the important part of this word. This can refer to proper delight and fondness, as well as improper lust and desire. This word you shall not covet really is, is want or desire. You shall not want or desire. And I've always been a little confused. We have three main words for this, right? Uh, In English, this is the English problem, uh, covet, jealousy, and envy. And I've always been a little confused as to how we use those words. Uh, which, Which word applies to which circumstance, right? Like when am I jealous versus when am I covetous versus when am I envious? And at least in the way the Bible uses these words, there does seem to be a distinction between them. And really, the commandment is explained in itself, right? You shall not covet what? You shall not want what? Your neighbor's house or wife or male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, anything that is your neighbor's. The command is not to desire other people's stuff. Don't want what other people have. Now, even in that, we're going to talk about this interesting distinction because let's say you have, I don't know, let's talk about phone, for example. I have a pretty nice phone, and say you get a phone, and I, I like your phone, and it's better than my phone. I could want a phone that is like yours without wanting your exact phone, right? And, and there's an interesting tension here between desire, we're going to talk about this more, the idea of desiring as a concept versus specifically wanting your thing. I want your thing, whatever it happens to be, as opposed to just maybe wanting. And, and when we say this here, you see this in this verse. If I want your wife, well, that's not a thing I can just get another copy of. If you have a phone that I like, I can just go buy a copy of that phone. I, I can't go buy a copy of your wife. She is unique. She is Yours alone. And, and so this idea of if I want your na- my neighbor's wife, that would be I want your specific thing or your male servant or female servant or ox or donkey. In English, this specific kind of desire is envy. This is, this is what this word is, envy. So to covet, as the way the Bible talks about these things, coveting would be desiring or wanting Jealousy would be desiring or wanting what is rightfully yours. Uh, This word, jealous, is used of God quite a bit in the Bible. Uh, the, the, The Bible describes God as a jealous God often, often describes him as jealous. So we know that jealousy can't be wrong, right? Because God is jealous. Uh, And and that seems to be desire or a a want for what is rightfully yours. Uh, uh, And then envy would be a desire or want that is rightfully someone else's. So when I envy, I do covet. Even when I'm jealous, I covet. 
because covet just means to desire or to want. Now, of course, not everybody, and this is the confusing part, right? In English, of course, not everybody uses envy or jealousy like that. And even the Bible seems to, in some ways, uh, play a little loose with these words. So we're going to talk about that as we go through. Micah 2, 1 through 2. Woe to you who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man in his house, a man in his inheritance. Why was God angry? They were taking other people's stuff. They covet fields, and instead of going and buying their own field, they took someone else's field, right? They took the houses, they oppressed him, they took his inheritance, they were taking other people's things. It's not wrong, I don't think, necessarily to want a field. If you're, if you're a farmer and you want to have a field and you want to farm, I don't think that would be bad. But if you are going to take somebody else's field or farm, that's when this would be wrong, right? The idea of not just desiring a thing itself, but desiring what the other person has specifically. I want your field, not just my own field that I could get from wherever. I want your specific thing, right? Now, in both the Old and New Testaments, these words are closely tied to desire, a zeal, or passion, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21, this is, I think, one of the most important ideas. We're going to return to this idea at the end of the lesson. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Note the order here, right? Where your treasure is, the thing that you value or desire, that's where your heart will be. And, and I, the, the order of this has always been fairly interesting to me. Not that you're, you desire what's in your heart, but your heart seems to follow what you desire, right? The things that we want lead our hearts astray. What we want dictates what we do. Because I want whatever the thing is, and, and then I'm going to work to get that thing, and I'm going to orchestrate my life around that thing, whatever it happens to be. The treasure is what will lead us to where we go. This is perhaps why covetousness in the New Testament is equated with idolatry. This idea of coveting or desiring is equated with idolatry in a number of places. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. Sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Colossians 3, 5, and 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Notice he has to call out specifically evil desire, because there's a lot of things that we would desire that would be righteous, righteous desires. But evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And, and this is sort of the main point, right? What we desire most becomes our deity. It's the thing that we work for and the thing that we work towards and the thing that we want the most and it, we orchestrate our whole lives around it. So the commandment, do not covet, it's not do not desire because we're supposed to desire a lot of things. Do not desire other people's stuff. 
because that will warp so much of your life. It will warp, most of all, your relationship with that person, right? It'll change your relationship with that person. And then it will warp the way you live and the things that you do. And, and so God, as we go from testament to testament, and we've talked about this in many of the commandments, we've talked about this in many of the commandments, right? As we go from the Old Testament command, do not covet, to the New Testament command, what is the New Testament? And there seems to be, a, a, as it is with many of the commandments, a more all-encompassing idea as we come into the New Testament, that the New Testament writers have expanded the commandment of God into something that is more broad. James discusses this danger in what I think is the best passage on these ideas, and the three main words, right? Covetousness, jealousy, and envy in the entire Bible. And, and I've said this before, there are sort of, if you're the kind of person to write in your Bibles, there's a couple of things you should sort of have written in the front. If you're talking about faith, you would talk about Hebrews 11, right? If you're talking about love, you would talk about 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11. This passage, if we're talking about jealousy and coveting, this is the one. This is the passage to think about. Uh, the reading that was read for us, and really it goes into chapter 4. I didn't want Larry to have to read like 20 verses. Uh, so we're, I've broken it into two parts here. The end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, they're really the same discussion. And again, if you're the kind of person that would do this, just cross out that big old 4 in your Bible because it ruins, I think, sort of ruins the discussion here. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let us show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. There will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom that from above is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the first part of this discussion. And what do we see here? We see a couple of different ideas. The idea of Bitter jealousy or jealousy and then selfish ambition. Again, these qualifiers on these words. Are you thinking more about self or about others or God? And again, if we think about jealousy as this desire to what is rightfully ours, we can easily think that we deserve things that we do not deserve that things are rightfully ours that are, are not really rightfully ours. We might call this entitlement, right? The idea that I think I am owed something that belongs to me, when merely it may or may not. And what is his point here? When we have this attitude, these, this jealousy, bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition, what's going to happen? There will be disorder in every vile practice. And he goes into sort of the antidote, the antidote to this problem is what? Purity, peace, gentleness, open to reason. I really like that one because sometimes when we get in our, our the, we just focus on the thing that we want most of all. We sort of block everything else out. We don't really listen to reason, right? If you want to be, uh, if you want to avoid selfish ambition and jealousy, be open to reason. Be open to, to people discussing things with you, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I like that idea of impartial, which James has talked about a lot, right? Understanding that your, what you deserve is probably not any different than what anybody else deserves. Not putting yourself first, but thinking about things in an impartial way, right? 
This is what the wisdom from above is. We keep going in chapter 4, 1 through 6. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have before, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And then we get into the righteous kind of jealousy, right? Do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's a lot in this to dissect, right? That first part of it, we see the words again, right? We see, we see desire, do not have. We see coveting, right? We see that the, your passions, these words that he lists, it, it's all closely tied together, this idea of desiring and coveting. They wanted stuff that wasn't theirs, and what did that lead to? Fighting, infighting, quarreling. They were this idea of selfish ambition and jealousy. When we are jealous, or uh, not jealous, when we are covetous, when we desire things that are not our own, it's going to tear us apart. It will tear us apart. Now, if I just desire to have a thing and, and you're not really connected at all, and it's just the thing itself, well, Jesus says that could still lead me astray, obviously. We've got to be careful where our treasure is. But if I'm not thinking about your stuff particularly, it's not going to ruin our relationship, right? I just want this thing and it's going to lead me to do whatever. Covetousness, the idea of desiring somebody else's thing, and I keep using the word coveting there, it's just desire. Wanting somebody else's thing is going to put a strain on our relationship. Because I want your thing. I want the thing that you have. And I want you to give it to me or sell it to me or whatever it is. So in the church that James is talking to, fighting and quarreling and fighting and difficulty and a lot of conflict and strife. Does this sound like a happy church? Not to me. It doesn't sound like they're, they're having a good time. It doesn't sound like they're very fulfilled or satisfied. And this interesting text right here. This middle section. You ask, well, first off, they weren't asking God. They were trying to take it from each other. And then secondly, they were asking wrongly. God, I just want this thing for myself because I want it. And so what did God say? No, I'm not going to give that to you. No, you can't have that. You just wanted to spend it on your passions. Now, we could desire, and this gets into desiring good things, right? Because we absolutely should desire what? Well, I might desire opportunities to evangelize. I might desire what I need to provide for my family. I might desire good health so that I continue to serve the Lord. I might desire some sort of spiritual strength or blessing. These are things that we should desire, absolutely. Desiring is not inherently wrong. I need to desire God. I need to want God. And so I could ask God for these things, these things that I need. I could desire, James, if we're talking about James, I could desire wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. So it's the what we want, why do we want it, and what does that do to our lives? That's the question, right? And the commandment then, do not covet your neighbor's things, 
which is still true today, you should not want your neighbor's things, has been expanded to what idea? Just be careful about what you want at all. Not even just your neighbor's stuff, but be careful about what you want because it could lead you away from God. And then, of course, we see here that God is properly described as jealous. Why? Because there's nothing he doesn't deserve or have a right to possess. He deserves everything. So if he wants a thing, that's within his right. And what in this text specifically did he want? He yearns jealously over... This is a little bit of a weird translation. Not translate. This isn't weird, but this text is hard to translate. This particular verse... He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Some versions are going to have something more like the spirit yearns jealously over us, but the idea is the same, right? God desires us. And he desires that jealously because he deserves us. Because of what he's done for us, and he made us, and he gives us every spiritual blessing, and he is, is so good for us. So, the 10th commandment. It is specific. Don't desire other people's things. The New Testament is more broad than that, right? Be careful what you desire in general. And we've talked about this in our Sunday evening study on, on biblical finances, the danger of loving earthly things and the way that that will lead us astray from God. What you desire affects your behavior and relationships. If you want earthly things more than you want spiritual things, guess what? You're going to end up not being a spiritual person. Just is what it is. You're not going to be pleasing to God. You're not going to be doing righteous things because the thing you want most is something that is not spiritual or righteous. We still shouldn't want other people's things, but we need to be careful about wanting things that would lead us away from God. And we're going to conclude with Jesus, why this is so important to God, why this matters, what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, and I, this is such an interesting text. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Of course, the implied answer is what? Well, God did because he's going to judge everything. Now, Jesus is making the point here. My judgment is going to be spiritual, right? I'm going to be judging spiritual things. You want me to judge these mundane things. He said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. I have so much stuff, I can't even store it anywhere. I need bigger barns, right? He's, he's, whoa, he's so wealthy. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones, and then I will, there I will store all my grains and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods stored up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, what? Fool. This night your soul is required of you. The things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's not wrong to desire things if those things do not lead us away from the Lord. Because whatever it is that you desire... It is going to lead you into certain actions and activities. And if your life's desire, your heart's desire is earthly stuff, guess what? You're going to die and you won't have it anymore. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get, I don't know, we start really desiring our, our things maybe 
college, early teens. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get to enjoy your heart's desire for 70 years, maybe. And then eternity will come and what? You'll have nothing because you did not desire righteous things. That's the problem with covetousness. It is temporary. It is ephemeral. The things that we acquire in this life, we have them for a while and then they're gone and we can't take them with us. Don't covet your neighbor's things. Instead, desire what? And he does tell us what to desire here, right? Be rich toward God. Desire spiritual things, heavenly things, good relationships, opportunities to teach, holiness, uh, a good church family. That would be a good thing to desire, to desire a healthy church family, desire more spiritual wisdom, desire knowledge of God. These are all things that we would want to desire that will benefit us in eternity, right? These are things that will lead us into blessings forever. So the question we end with is quite simple. Are you rich toward God? And, and not only are you rich toward God, is that the things you've, you've built up? That's the things you've prepared? That's the things you've stored? But maybe you're just beginning this journey toward God, you're just beginning this. And you don't have a lot of spiritual knowledge. You don't have a lot of wisdom yet. You're not sure about your church family and, and you're just starting out. Do you desire those things? Do you desire heavenly things? That's something we need to think about, each of us, in our own quiet times with God, thinking about, what do I really care about? What do I want? Is this going to lead me down the right path?